good morning and welcome again. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you are he here. And uh, <clears throat> let me just say this. One of the things we want to do to our church is improve the lighting, in case you didn't know. So if you've got like 10 grand sitting around or so, and you'd like us to, uh, to help us improve the lighting, feel free. Just write lighting on it. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll keep getting this light show every, every week or so. Uh, if you're new to fullness, that's not what I was going to open with, uh, but if you're new to fullness, welcome, glad you're here. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about us, we have a lunch right after church today, uh, kind of gives our history and our vision. If you'd like to join us, you're free, even though you haven't signed up yet, we'll make room for you and would love, would love to have you. Did you know that <clears throat> God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Now that you've said that and pray that you believe it, I'm going to ask you a series of questions I got from Pastor Craig Groeschel uh, Life Church in uh, Oklahoma. And I want you to proudly, proudly and honestly raise your hands if you would say yes to these questions. All right? This is a place of honesty. It's a place of safe, relative safety. So if these, <laughs> some of you are like, this is a trick thing, isn't it? No, no, it's not, it's not tricky. I'll give you the first one. The first one is this. Are you rattled when things don't go as you expected? Anyone? Anyone? Do you often worry about things beyond your control? Come on, people. Do you lose sleep? I've got to change hands. Do you lose sleep over pressing issues? Is it hard to turn off your mind? Does the unknown intimidate you? Do you often imagine the worst case scenario? I wish my wife were in here so she could lift both hands like Jonathan. When I used to leave on trips, my wife would always say to me, not, don't get hurt, be safe. She would say, do not die. <laughs> don't die. Don't die. I'm like, I wasn't planning on it, but thanks for the reminder. We are infected people. You say God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And yet answering yes to these questions indicates that you have anxiety in your heart. You have a certain measure of fear in your heart. And we are all, all, all infected with this. I want to preach this morning on do not be anxious about anything. And can I confess to you going in that I'm anxious about preaching this sermon about not being anxious? There's some things I want to say this morning in light, and I'm just going to just lay it out there. In light of the political situation in which we find ourselves, that I would like to share my heart with you, hopefully in a humble way, so if it appears I come across as edgy, please forgive me. I really want to lay it before you humbly and ask you to consider that possibly the anxiety that you're sensing in your life is because of the voices that you're listening to and that we all need to come back to the truth of the gospel. A number of years ago, Bob Mumford I published a book called Agape Road that we did a study of back in the 90s. 
And Mumford uh, laid out this, what he called seven giants that are in our lives. Uh, the first three, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all these seven giants and talk about them all, but he talks about this need that we all have to look good and feel good and think we're right. Uh, as he said, be right, but really we're not right. We just think we're right. I mean, nobody wants to be wrong, right? Thanks. <laughs> So we, we actively pursue these things of looking good and feeling good and being right. And then we uh, internally have these hidden agendas that we don't share with other people. Um, we have these personal advantages that we want to pursue. We want our opinions to be better thought of. We want to remain undisturbed. We don't want to be bothered. We don't we don't want to be agitated. And standing at the center of all of these is this incredible need to stay in control. We want to be in control. And Mumford goes on and says, the first three kind of talk about possessing and intimidating. That really what we do, we actively pursue these things. And that the bottom three, we kind of acquire and manipulate in our heart. External more active, internal, more passive. But all of it stems from this need of control. We have this desire to be in control. And today I want to preach on the fear of losing control. Now, when I say that, some of you say, well, I don't want to be out of control. You're right. Out of control is a bad thing. I'm not talking about leading a mismanaged or unmanaged life. I'm not speaking about that. You're stewards of God's kingdom. God has given you spheres of influence to manage. I'm not talking about that, where you just do nothing, living unmanaged. But I'm talking about this incredible need that we all have to control every single circumstance around us. And can I tell you just straight out, it is a lie from the pit of hell that you can control things. You are not in control. You weren't meant to be in control. And in some sense, we're all controlling people. Now, whenever I say we're controlling people, <clears throat> we all kind of raise our hackles just a little bit. Don't call me controlling. Now, see, just in that statement, you're trying to control my statements about you. We all have this desire to be in control. Dave and I were sitting having coffee after we ran yesterday. Dave confessed to me. I'm not going to say everything you confessed, Dave. Um, Dave's in the balcony. Uh, but he was talking about how many times he and Lynn have dri driven off from their house and then get down the road and can't remember if they shut the garage door or not. You know, and then it's like we got to go back and look at the garage door. And I was saying, dude, what you need is you need this app on your phone that tells you if the garage door is up or down. I mean, Kathy and I, we've driven, I, I've been going to Texas and been halfway there. And one of us says, did we shut the garage door? Or did we turn the air down? You know what? Now it's all on my phone. I can look and see what the air is. I can look if the lights on are on in the den. I can look if the garage doors. I've got total control of my life. <laughs> the more control I have, the less control I have. This illusion that we're in control. 
And the feeling that we're not in control causes us to be anxious, causes anxiety to rise up in our lives. And so I want to go to Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9, and preach on overcoming anxiety. And all within the context of the truth that we're not in control. And so if you're not going to go with me on the premise that we're not in control, then we're, we're going to have a problem. Uh, because we're not going to recognize that the anxiety we have is because we can't control. I, I'm going to keep saying this. You can't control. For those of you who think you can control your spouse, oh my Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Your life of grief is going to continue forever. You cannot control another person. You cannot change another person. You can barely control yourself. You can barely change yourself. This illusion that you can control your children. Thanks for laughing, Eartha. I appreciate that. A mom who's been through the experience, through the battles. You can't control... You can't control things. So let's just at least admit that truth right up front that we can't control things and then go from there to say, okay, how do, if I can't control things, how do I walk in peace? Here's the first thing from Philippians 4 is stay connected to steadfastness. Stay connected to steadfastness. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love, this is chapter 4, verse 1, whom I love and long for. And always remember, yeah, I know this is a stupid little trick that pastors tell you, but whenever you see therefore, you always stop and think, okay, what is this therefore? In other words, he's building on something he's already done. He's saying therefore based on some stuff he's already discussed, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is, that is how you should what? Stand firm. In the Lord, dear friends. We need to stand firm in the Lord. Part of the anxiety that we have in our lives is that we're not standing on the solid rock that we sang about earlier. We're standing on something else. And anything else that you stand on other than the Lord is shifting sand. You sang it earlier. And it's true. That anything else you stand on is going to shift. It's going to cause you to feel unstable. It's going to cause you to be anxious. You're going to have anxiety in your life. So Paul has, in the two verses that precede this, he has said this. But our citizenship where? Please, people, underline this. Right at home. Your citizenship, if you're standing firm on the truth that America is God's chosen country and we are the new Israel in America, you are on shifting sand. Your citizenship is not, not here. It is, but it isn't. Ultimately, your citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body Therefore, stand firm in the Lord. If you, again, I'm going to keep saying things over and over again. Hopefully, I'll get it. I'm preaching to myself, I know. Therefore, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in Him. 
You've got to stay connected to steadfastness. If you want to overcome anxiety in your life, you have to stand on that which cannot be moved. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken remains. Wait a minute. You're saying, I didn't say this, God said it. He said everything, that's I'm quoting from Hebrews by the way, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Why? Because he wants to make sure you're standing on that which cannot be shaken. So if things are being shaken in your life and anxiety is rising up, it could be a sign that you're standing in the wrong place. You're standing on the wrong thing. Instead, stand firm in the Lord. Then he goes on and says, stay connected in unity. Stay connected in unity. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with, I had to practice those and I may still have not said them right. They're not names that I say every day. By the way, those names, it's funny to me, they mean lucky and success. I started to just say plead with success and I plead with lucky to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, he doesn't even get named, help these two women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul is now in what's called practical section of Philippians, and he's pleading with these two women, success and lucky, to not be in disagreement with one another. I think it's fascinating that he doesn't tell us what their disagreement was about. He's not saying, here's what your problem is. He just says, the first thing, if you want to be unified, agree with each other. How? In the Lord. He doesn't appeal to the issue, whatever it might be. Come together in agreement about X, Y, Z. Instead, let your agreement, coming back to that, stand firm in the Lord, agree in the Lord. Agree with each other in the Lord. Here's where I want to share my heart just a little bit with you this morning. We we have a lot of disagreement in the church today. Not specifically our church. There's some, I'll be honest with you, there is some disagreement And uh, right now, because of the day and age in which we live, a lot of it around politics. There are some people who are are upset that I did not take a more direct stand in telling you, us, how to vote. That's the bottom line. There's, There's some who are upset with me because I didn't take this view. One way or the other. You can go whichever way you want to on it. My call is to teach you to stand firm in the Lord. My call is to say we're going to agree with each other in the Lord. Rather than getting on shifting sand and saying here's... So let me back up two steps and just run full face. You know, Brody, uh, uh, at the youth thing last week, he, he tried to run through a locked, closed glass door. And I feel like I'm about to run into a locked, closed glass door. But I'm going to go there anyway, and I'm going to go full speed. So just love me anyway, and hang on. If I break my nose and get a concussion, pray you love me at the end. 
two things. Number one, we generally are pretty pharisaical. Oh, wow, he really did run right in the door. The Pharisees were really religious people. They really sought after God. But in their mind, they had developed a list, I think, of the people that God didn't like. God doesn't like these people. And um, therefore, I'm not going to like these people too because God doesn't like these people. And so I'm going to separate from these people. And there are two problems with that. Number one, God didn't say he didn't like these people. And number two, they're not God. And so what has happened in our day and age is we have put people in camps, those that God doesn't like and those that God does. And God must like this political party because they're more like this. And he dislikes this one. In other words, we're ascribing good and evil to groups of people. And I would like to say that in all love, we're all evil. It's all bad. So if you see one side is good and one side is evil, I would contend, open your eyes. Number two, I would contend this. Your allegiance does not lie with this group or that group. Your agreement is in the Lord. That's number one. And if you thought that was bad, wait till number two. Number two is I have you for 30 to 40 minutes a week where I can hopefully pastor you. You then leave this place and you go and listen to, watch, tune into all sorts of sources. In all love, some of you are being pastored by CNN. Some of you are being pastored by Fox News. Some of you are being pastored by Pastor XYZ or Prophet ABC. And I would contend most cases, I can definitely say for Fox News and CNN, these two things, neither are godly. And they're not leading you toward godliness. I can also say this, there's a good chance that Prophet ABC is not attached to a local church and has very little authority in his life to tell him he's correct or incorrect. Yet he's got a YouTube channel and is posting things for hours a day that we're then ingesting and starting to believe. Now, we all come to church together being pastored by CNN, being pastored by Fox, being pastored by some guy in Timbuktu or a prophet who may or may not be attached to a local church. We get into one place and we say, why can't we agree? We need to agree with each other in the Lord. We need to bring it back to a place where our agreement is in the Lord. He goes on and then says, Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. In other words, I think what he's saying is this. Stand firm in the Lord, agree in the Lord, and as Chris preached at the end of December, keep the commission the mission. The gospel is what we're about. The gospel is what we're for. Can I say this? Gospel means good news. 
A lot of you, a lot of us, are feeding ourselves not good news on a daily basis. And then we're wondering why we're sick to our stomachs. We're wondering, why is so much anxiety in my life? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so... Could it be that we're not staying within the context of the news that is good? And as a result, what happens is disagreements rise up. And we start dividing ourselves into this camp, or this camp, or this camp, or this camp. And we're saying, we go to a church, and then we say, you know, Pastor Bard, or the people my age, or the people that age, or this group of people, or that group of people, they're not standing in my lane. I'm going to go find a church that is my lane. I'm going to find a place that's my lane. And I, can I also, in love, are we still good so far? Can I also say that the, the more you want to find a church that's exactly in your lane, the less likely it's going to be a diverse body of Christ? It's going to narrow itself down to everybody being an ear, or everybody being an eye, or everybody being a hand. Let me take it out of the context of some of you are still, all you're thinking about right now is politics. So can I take it a totally different direction just for, and give you an example. A number of years ago, we had a person in our church, and I'm going to use this example straight out. We had a person in our church who um, got very involved in creationism. I'm a creationist. I believe God created. I'm totally for it. This person... Um, <clears throat> This person became very convinced that the only way to interpret the book of Genesis was that it is seven 24-hour creation days and that the earth is no older than 6,000 years old. Now, you may be saying, wait, you don't believe that? It's not what I'm saying. He wanted me to preach that that was the only way to interpret the book of Genesis. And that the book of Genesis, if you didn't preach it this way, if you didn't declare this, that all the rest of the scripture was a slippery slope. Now, I'm getting into stuff. You're trying to figure out where I stand on this. And I'm not ashamed to tell you, yes. I believe, all, I believe God could have created the earth in seven 24-hour days with a young earth that looks old, that tests old, I, I believe that. I also believe that God could have taken a different amount. I, what I do believe is essential is that God created. And I believe that God created an original Adam and Eve who fell into sin. I believe those are non-negotiables. But I wasn't going to preach this view of creation that everybody in our church has to believe that. Now you may say, well, why did you not preach that? Well, because I know that there are 20 or 30 people who would leave fullness as a result. They'll say, you know, they're so narrow-minded in their belief of what it is. And I believe God has given me to pastor all of us in love. Now, you may be, if you believe in seven 24-hour days, creation and a young earth, welcome. Welcome. I, I, I want to go to the Creation Museum, and I haven't been there yet. I, I, I it's awesome. I, I, what I'm trying to say is this, and I tried to tell this person, when you find the church 
that believes and preaches and says exactly what you want it to say, I bet you that the field is going to be very narrow in other ways. It's going to be very legalistic. It's not going to be a church that walks in the power of the Spirit. It's going to be, and sure enough, that's where they ended up. We need to keep the essentials essential and the non-essentials we need to hold lightly. There are tons of debatable, disputable matters that we need to hold loosely. And instead, we need to come back to the truth of the, of the gospel, standing firm on this. Contend at my side in the cause of the gospel. Stand for the good news. My fellow workers, here's where we're going. We're going to con stay connected in unity. So we're going to be steadfastly connected to the Lord. We're going to try and walk in unity. How? Not because we're all going to agree politically. I, I, let me just say straight out up front that there are some here who voted for one person and others who voted for another. And you're like, who? <laughs> who was it? We're connected to God. We're not connected to a political party. We're connected in the Lord. We're connected for the sake of the gospel. See, here's how it all comes out, why it shakes out that this is important. Being connected to something else is going to cause you to be anxious. It's going to raise anxiety in your life. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're going to try and control those around you. You're going to feel like I can't control, I'm out of control, I'm losing control, and therefore you will not walk in peace. Whenever you step out of God's plan for your life, see, see, being anxious is trying to take things from God that only God can do. Trying to take things in control of yourself that you were never meant to control. And when that happens, anxiety rises up in your heart and your life. So how are we going to walk free from anxiety. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to have to move a little quicker. First is this, rejoice in the Lord always. I don't think you got it. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're going to walk, you can walk in freedom. You can walk free from anxiety if you walk in joy and peace. Stay connected to joy and peace. And here's where I'm coming back to. CNN, Fox News, they are, not, they are not joy and peace. They're not leading you into joy and peace. Instead, how are we going to stay connected to... Well, it seems kind of redundant to say, okay, I want to stay connected to joy by rejoicing. But think about the words of your lips. We're going to rejoice in the Lord Always. Wait a minute. Always? Yeah, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Paul is trying to make the point, look. Have the same mind that was also in Christ Jesus. 
who though he existed in the very form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and made himself nothing, being made in the likeness of men. In other words, he's saying, look, here's what Christ did for you. Be like-minded. By the way, that word like-minded is the exact same word that he used for the two women in the passage before. Be like-minded. He goes back to the appeal, Christ, be like-minded. Be, have the mind of Christ. When you, we all have the mind of Christ, we'll walk in unity together. We're striving for that. And it should cause us to rejoice. I don't have to have my own opinions about everything. God has his views. And I'm going to rejoice in the circumstances and situations around me. I want to, I choose to walk in joy. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. <clears throat> that psalm, it hasn't changed. God still reigns. God rules. Our response is, praise God. Let's rejoice. He then goes on and says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Unfortunately, the evangelical church at times is not known as the source and place to receive gentleness, is it? Our gentleness should be evident to all. We love people. When Jesus, Peter says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made not threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This should be like a 20-part sermon. I, I know. I, there's like so many parts to this. But think about this. Was there anybody else, any other human who's ever walked the face of the earth who could have exhibited more control over the circumstances around him than Jesus? When they're hurling insults, when they're throwing things, when they're trying to kill him, he could have taken control. I mean, he was God in human flesh. But instead, he entrusted himself to God. How much more should we, who don't have that same control, entrust our souls to his care, entrust our futures to his care, and trust ourselves to his care. And then when we do, we can walk in gentleness. We don't have to bust our way through and push our way through and demand our own way. We can in gentleness walk in the Lord. He goes on and says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, think of something you can be anxious about. Oh, wait a minute. He said anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do you know, me telling you not to be anxious is like a total waste of my breath, right? Because now all you can focus is you're anxious about the things you shouldn't be anxious about. You start, anxiety starts rising. I, I shouldn't be anxious. I got to not be anxious. I got to quit being anxious. And so as a result, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm anxious because I'm not walking in peace. I'm anxious because I should, come, should have more joy. More joy, more joy. It doesn't work. 
How are we going to walk? How are we not going to be anxious? Every situation by prayer and petition. You refocus off your anxiety and instead you focus on God. By prayer and petition. You worship. You request. You walk in thanksgiving. Instead of saying, don't be anxious. Instead, I'm going to say this. Focus on him. Look at the glory of God. Worship him. Pray. Present your request to him. You know, scientists say, studies have been done, and uh, 92% of the things you worry about are never going to come to pass anyway. They're not, they're, they're, they're nothing. I mean, they're nothing. The other 8% of that 8%, only about 1% of it can you actually do anything about. It may or may not come to pass, but maybe 1%. So you're spending all of this time worried about 92% of things that won't even come through, and the other 7% you can't do anything about. Just pray. God, give me wisdom about the part you've given me to manage. How do I manage it well? Part of being a good steward is learning where your sphere of influence is and what it is that God has given you to manage. What has God given you to He's trusted you with. And here's one of the enemy schemes. If that 1% is what you're supposed to be walking in and you're focusing on the other 99, then you're not doing good with the one. Right? Because Satan has got your mind so focused on all the other stuff. So how do I know what the one is? Pray. Seek after God. We believe in a Holy Spirit, right? This is a spirit-filled church, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth. He will lead and guide you into all truth. He'll lead you to say, here's the thing I want you to do for today. Christ entrusted himself. We should trust even greater, really. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your... Then walk in peace. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Walk in peace. What are, you, what are we walking in today? What are we walking? Are we walking in peace? Does the, does the person in the White House determine my level of peace? Does the person next door to me who won't mow his stinking grass, does he determine my level of peace? Oh, wait, that's just me? Oh, my neighbor's not watching, watching this. Um, walk in peace. It's out of your control anyway. It's much better to live in peace than it is to live without peace. A number of years ago, a number of years ago, I had just finished my doctoral work. I was teaching at Southwestern Seminary. I believed that God was leading me to be a full-time teacher, professor in a college or university, teach music theory, and it's a geeky thing, but um, to teach or not to teach. This church in Birmingham called me and offered, after coming out and meeting with me, offered me this position to come to Birmingham and to be on staff here in Birmingham. <clears throat> and I had no peace. I didn't know what to do. 
about this decision. I, I, I was anxious. And I just started praying. Kathy and I started seeking after God. And I started praying, God, what should I do? Because honestly, the move to Birmingham was in every circumstantial look the wrong move for me. For what I had done, for where I'd been, for what I thought God had led me to, moving here to be on staff at a church was the wrong move. But they had offered me this job, and I felt obligated to at least pray about it. When they first obligated, first offered to me, honestly, I just said no. No, not interested. And my lovely wife said, do you think we should pray about this? Dad gummit, I guess so. I don't know why, but yeah, okay, we'll pray about it. So we started praying about it. And I had this dream. And I don't get words from the Lord frequently in dreams, honestly. Uh, I, don't want you, I don't want to come across as some you know, hyper-spiritual guy who gets dreams from God whenever I have a question about life. And boom, God gives me a dream. and it's all. But in this case, I had this vivid dream where I was at an airport. I was going to, and they were saying, next flight to Birmingham. Oh, that seems pretty clear. Doesn't take a genius to interpret this so far, does it? <laughs> next flight to Birmingham. And I'm in the DFW airport. I knew where I was. I was in the DFW airport. Next flight to Birmingham. And I have in my arm books, just stacks of books in my arms. And as they're calling for this flight to Birmingham, I start dropping these books. But I'm kneeling down to pick up these books. And I start picking up these books, and they're saying, last call to Birmingham, last call to Birmingham. And I'm scooping up these books, and I can't keep them. It's, it, 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 it's one of those frustrating dreams where you can't pick them up. You've got this thing. And I realized in the dream, if I'm going to make my flight, I just have to drop the books and get on the plane. That was the end of my dream. And I woke up and I shook Kathy. I can remember it so vividly. And I said, baby, it's time to pack. I think God is clearly saying to me, we're supposed to go to Birmingham. I went from no peace to peace with what everyone else would have said is the wrong decision. Because in prayer and petition, I put my request before God. And God, in his graciousness and his mercy and his love as a child, answered me. Now, I've had other major decisions I didn't get that kind of clarity on. But you know what I still received when I stepped out in the decision? I walked in peace. Because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say this. We skip right to the peace part without walking in steadfastness, without standing firm in the Lord. Some of us just want peace. Some of us would say to our kids, hey, everybody, be quiet. I just want peace. You know, that kind of trying to control. We're trying to control our circumstances in peace. To get to peace, you have to first stand firm in the Lord. Then walk in unity. Can I say this too? If we walk in disunity, we will not walk in peace. I think unity is a prerequisite to the peace of God. Then live this life of joy and peace. Rejoice in the Lord. I mean, these superlatives are off the chart. 
always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And then you walk in God's peace. Great news. You can walk in peace. Bad news. You're out of control. You have no control. Except these truths that God has given you to walk in. And when you can walk in them, despite your lack of control, you can walk in God's peace. Stand up with me. Worship team, if you would, come back up. Lord, I pray right now that, God, you'd give us grace and wisdom. Lord, I pray that if there's anything I've said today that would cause disunity in this place, God, just let it be removed. Let Satan not have a foothold. Let nothing be stirred up that's not of you. Instead, God, I pray that we would walk in peace. We would walk in unity. We would walk in the truth that we stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for this people in this place. I thank you for your incredible love for us. The future you've given to us. The power of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you. Lord, there's someone here today, I know, I just know, who is so anxious. Anxiety, it's causing them to not sleep at night. It's causing them to not be able to eat. It's causing them much grief in their life. And I pray, Lord, that the peace of God would just envelop them right now. I pray that the presence of God would set them free. I pray that the father of lies would be silenced and the truth of of God's power would rest upon them. Lord, may we all walk in a greater level of freedom. May we lose this fear of having to be in control. Paul ends up this passage in Philippians by saying this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, the God of peace will be Say this with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship him.